0: Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Tonight we have Dr. Anya Stanger adjunct professor of women's studies at Sierra College, and Dr. Kathleen Taylor. She's the chair of Sierra College Women's Gender Studies. And they're involved in bringing the community the feminist film series. And the next one is on caregiving matters, gender, hospice, and the transformation. And that takes place March 5th. So welcome, Anya and Kathleen. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, so we, we got started on our conversations. I just think there's there's so much richness to discuss. But but maybe you can tell me a little bit about yourselves uh, and the role you play in the community and uh, gender studies uh, a little bit about and Kathleen, do you, do you want to start?
1: I'd love to start. Um, I'm Kathleen Taylor. I'm a psychologist, and so I've been with the psychology department for 30 years with Sierra College, and we started a women's studies program about... 20 years ago and one of the things we try to do in women's studies is to really expand the notion um, across many disciplines and one of the disciplines um, includes things like well allied health care um, my interest as a social cultural psychologist is that we always consider context and that we used feminist methodologies in which to um, assess, um, assess how power dynamics uh, play out in our everyday lives. Well, great. Thank
0: you. And Anya?
2: Well, I was born in Grass Valley and have lived here for most of my life, other than many years away for school, um, and have been back and teaching at Sierra College in the Women and Gender Studies Department for, this is going on nine years now with Kathleen, which has been a delight. (laughs) Um, And... And I'm deeply obviously committed to the to the community and also to my discipline. And I feel really, really grateful and lucky all the time that I get to teach and do what I do here
0: in my hometown. Well, again, it's so exciting to have you both on the show and and you're you do bring to the community, not only to the students, but to the community this feminist film series. And can you talk a little bit about um, this is this a new thing? is is this been going on for a while? It's been
2: going on for a while. Our best guess with Covid, it's always hard to keep track. We can't count anymore. <laughs> it's true, it's true. one of the losses of the pandemic is we can't count. Um, we think that it's seven years that we've been doing this. and the the feminist film series really started because Kathleen and I wanted to bring the community to. The, back to the campus. And and the campus, the Nevada County campus of Sierra College was built in the 1990s really, really as a result of community members wanting it to be here. Um, I remember these days, I remember my parents' friends going to classes at you know Nevada Union and wanting like so many people, pe- professionals, people younger, older, everyone wanted a campus here. And it's sort of become underutilized, I would say, in the last decade. And and Kathleen and I were just brainstormed just what can we do to bring regular folks to the campus? We live in a college town and we don't remember that. And there's all these great resources. And so we we made up the, the most fun thing we could think of, um, which might say more about us. Um, but <laughs> but um, to to kind of pair this this film series with Women's History Month, and um, and we just try to think of the most interesting films for community members, so that's why we have um, these two films this year. The first one we're showing on Tuesday night, March 5th at 6 p.m. Everything we do is free. Parking is waived for the evening, so everyone can come, um, and don't worry if you've never been there. There are signs telling you where to park, and then it's super obvious we make it easy for you so that's i know a big deterrent for people of going to the campus as they don't know where to go mm-hmm. that part is we make easy um 6 p.m free no no parking fees and the film we're doing, and the, what we want to talk about tonight, is a film called *Prison Terminal*: The Last Days of Private Jack Hall. And then the following Tuesday, we are doing a film for families called *The uh, Queen of Cotway*. And we're bringing Dr. Scott Kellerman and um, a couple of uh, Coach Alana Whitnack, a couple of folks, to talk about. Um, chess playing girl wonder in uganda that is for families oh my gosh so, this sounds so, so good really really different kind <laughs> of film but but obviously tonight we're here to talk about um prison terminal which is which is about a hospice
0: program in um a prison in iowa all right and do you want to add anything to that kathleen before we jump into it about the series and how it started
1: well, one of the things i like to mention is that we show the film,
0: and one of the funnest things is
1: to have a panel and a conversation with the community immediately following. So it's not just watch a film, it's let's, let's talk. And there's one thing about uh, this community, they love to talk. And so that's half, of, that's half of what we do,
0: is to have really important conversations. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing here with this show is having conversations about living and dying and mm-hmm. living our best life because we can talk about dying. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting to me that the the topic, the caregiving matters, gender, hospice, and transformation, um, uh, it makes sense when I read it over and over again, but it's still kind of um, – it was an interesting combination to me. So so tell me about what went into planning this one. Well, this was a bit of a wild card. It was a wild card because
1: we knew we wanted to do something that um, explored issues around around caregiving and, more importantly, about how how you really liberate everyone when it's not a gender stratification with caregiving. Um, lots of folks... Well, wait a minute. You're talking about caregiving. This is you're talking. You're feminist talking about caregiving. Well, is is there anything more important that we do in our lives than to to care for others? And the question is, how do we um, usurp this notion that it's only women's work and women are the only ones capable? Um, and then when you do have men who do caregiving, then it's like, oh, certain types of men. So this film was just, for me, it's like my the top of my head blew off. It was, it was like I could not think of a better example of someone who you would not think was capable of creating a beautiful, um, meaningful, and um, strategic way in which to help somebody dying, even if they were your enemy
0: two years before. Yeah, and I have to say that Uh, My inner feminist just kind of kicked in a little bit because it's like, yeah, but caregiving is is not the power play in in the world. And yet I, I am a caregiver and it's very important to me, but it just... This is the women's feminist.
2: Well, and caregiving. (laughs) But if you dig a little deeper, right, caregiving is not the power play. That is precisely the problem. Right. It's not it's not that we shouldn't embrace a role of caregiving. It's why has caregiving been so devalued? And it's been so devalued precisely because it's women's work. It's seen as women's. Yeah. And it is largely performed. Ninety two percent of the of the caregivers in this country, according to my research I did on my way here, are women. but which is which resonates with other things I know. Yeah. right like it it is massively female dominated work. This is people who are in-home caregivers, nannies, people who clean your house, right? People who do sort of domestic care work are by and large women. And in this country today, also largely people of color. And this is a very poorly paid labor force. It's an insecure labor force. It is it, from weird laws, Post World War II. domestic care work is one of the few it, that, and some agricultural work that uh, work that does not pay into social security. So you Whoa. you don't have long term security and and mm-hmm. safety, uh, basic protections that people take for granted as part of their of you know when you have a job. This is you, of course you have social well not if you're doing in home care work, and so that is because that has been able to mm-hmm. to last decades. Because there's this notion that it's not hard because women are naturally good at it and women are the ones who are doing it, and it's not skilled labor because it's natural, right? There's all these sort of tropes that if we can just kind of bust those open and say, what if we think of this as just powerful, important work that's more feminist mm-hmm. than. Not embracing a caregiving role because it hasn't been a, a, a role that's powerful.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad to have, be having this this conversation with you now because I thought that that um, feisty feminist part of me had had really subsided because of mm-hmm. my experiences mm-hmm. uh, at this point in my life with caregiving that I'd neutralized it. But boy, the minute I get my button gets pushed, uh, it's clear that it's time to to bring this up to the forefront and, and to have this discussion. So I'm so glad the two of you are here and that there's this opportunity to, to look at this in, in a broader perspective.
1: think Can I add to this? Um, Anya, you really stated it's such an important piece when we talk about valuing that which we remunerate, basically that which we pay. The other piece of it is these ideas, these gendered ideas about natural roles. And, and hence, you know, a, a woman is home with her child, and if there's a man in the family, if she goes out, he's babysitting? Uh, excuse me? Uh, I don't think so. Um, and, and that's like a simple one, but I think even more importantly is to consider one of the ideas that women are the natural emotional caregivers. And so women do emotion work. That's children, that's ca- taking care of people who are ill. It is, um, it is it's, it's working with the dying. That's, you know, emotional work. It's an emotional task, and um, they're the ones that are inherently capable of it. But we know that men are just as capable, but there are social, um, you know, battalions pushing against it. And so unpacking what that means can really unpack a lot of the inequity in terms of who gets paid for what and what we value. It also frees up men Oh, ah, yes. oh my gosh,
2: yes. Right? Mm-hmm. This well, is this is work that it's mm-hmm. it's an upward building spiral. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where I think it's time to let the audience know a little bit about what this film is really about because that's where the transformation mm-hmm. comes into the the uh, caregiving and and gender roles. Mm-hmm. So do you want to Tell us a little bit about what the film is about. So
2: the film is a documentary. It's only 40 minutes long, which we're actually delighted about because we have an absolutely stellar panel. And we know we know we know that our our audience is really going to want to talk and hear from our panel and ask questions. And this gives us this really nice, spacious time where we can do that. Um, And so the film is is a documentary about a an inmate in a maximum security Iowa prison named jack hall he was a he 's a veteran of the Second World War and had some pretty harrowing experiences came back a pretty traumatized man and made some bad decisions um, that landed him in prison and the filmmaker um, just asked him if i could if he could follow him around the last couple of days of his life really so it it shows that it's it's, it's the last twelve days of his life it's the bulk of the film when he is in hospice care at this prison and it is it's a very simple film on some level because it's just following him as he meets with his son he knows he's dying he's in hospice he's you know he's he's going to say goodbye to his friend in the yard he's he is just moving through his days but being cared for by other prison inmates who have voluntarily
0: yeah. chosen. That's what's so interesting, because when I first saw that, and I'm thinking, well, hospice workers go into the prison. So tell me more about that. Actually, before you do that, I just want to let people know that they're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and my guests tonight are Dr. Anya Stanger. Uh, adjunct Professor of Women's Studies at Sierra College and Dr. Kathleen Taylor, who's the chair for Sierra College Women's Gender Studies, and they're involved in bringing the community the feminist film series. And the very next one is about caregiving and gender hospice and transformation. And we're just talking about this hospice uh, in the prison.
2: Yeah. So they are they're tr- they're other prisoners who are trained in hospice care, and they choose to do it, and they. They care for each other as they die. They have two, um, hospice rooms in this prison and, um, and it is a, it's just a service that is It's offered in fewer than 5% of prisons in the United States. It is very unusual to have hospice care. Most prisoners, um, who die in, imprisoned. um, Die alone in their rooms with their cellmates. Sometimes they are taken to an outside hospital. Sometimes they're in the infirmary, but most of the time they they die alone um, with their cellmates, which is traumatizing for their cellmates. Often, they don't necessarily have you know training or skills
0: or capacity. Well, and what was interesting is I did watch the trailer, and what fascinated me is the number of prisoners that are in prison for life i think it was two and a half million people there are t- there are more than
2: two million prisoners in the united states we have the highest incarceration rate of any any industrialized nation for sure most but but most other countries mm-hmm. um, and we especially because of our really draconian uh, punishing laws in the 1990s when we just meted out lifetime sentences left and right. Um, We have a very, very high population of inmates who will die in prison. Um, You are considered elderly in prison when you reach the age of 55 because life is harder. Yeah. And people age more quickly. And by 2030, which is only six years away, um, more than a third of the U.S. prison population will be considered elderly. They will be 55 or older. And that's largely from our sentencing laws that just people have been there for a long time and they're aging through. And most people are are incarcerated when they're young. Um, Well,
0: and there there is uh, um, I guess I am making myself I shouldn't probably shouldn't say this, but there's a part of me that thought, well, you know, if this person's murdered somebody and they're there for life, why is it? Why should I care that they have a more peaceful death? And I know that the trailer talked about that, so maybe you can talk about that. I think
1: there's this idea of. It's transformation for two people at least, possibly three if there's a team of two. The transformation is not just for the person who's dying, it's a transformation that happens for the person giving the caregiving. And I think that's where the extraordinary beauty happens. It's the idea of can you redeem your life Yeah. by doing one-on-one care? And that, for, for me, is an astonishing, um, not just for liberation, but the idea of of, uh, personal abolition, if that makes sense.
0: Well, what I heard them say is that it's um, the first time, again, it was like a two-minute trailer, so I didn't get very much. I'm going to have to see the 40-minute documentary. But the first time that they ever approached anything with love instead of with fear or with you know violence mm-hmm. and um so that it allows them to be a better version of themselves yeah so. and, and find that through hospice care as well as uh, the families of because with over two million people in prison many many people have some kind of connection with a family member uh who's in prison and um to know that that maybe their their loved one did commit murder, but to have that that feeling that they were cared for or that, that they have someone who's in prison who's doing that kind of meaningful work and having some value to a life that otherwise is stuck within yeah. prison for the
2: rest of their lives. And And my direct answer to your question is I personally don't believe that the hallmark of somebody's life should be judged by the worst thing they ever did. And it is... And I never want to live in the world where we feel like we can treat others badly because they've treated others poorly, so we we we, we raise the ships right yeah. we ra- we 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 do better um and and helping somebody die with dignity and and grace
0: and beauty well, how did a program like this ever get started i I mean that just seems amazing to me too that uh i mean Did somebody from hospice come to this prison in Iowa? Um, How did something like this get started?
1: There are um, hospice projects, and one of the um, exciting folks that we're going to have with us on Tuesday night is Lady Bird, um, Lady Bird Morgan. And what what I think is really amazing is she's one of the co-founders of the um, Humane Prison Prison Project. Yeah, the Humane Prison Project. And she can speak to it, um, should I say, uh, historically and the current state. She, the Humane Prison
2: Project is a hospice project started in San Quentin, right. and it has expanded to a couple of other prisons in
0: mm-hmm. California, some of the largest prisons in California. And she actually was a guest last summer uh, on this show mm-hmm. uh, with the work that she does with metal mm-hmm. mm-hmm. organizations. So she was one of the founders for this. Co- she's the yeah, co-founder. Co-founder. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it did take someone outside of prison to help put this together but was there a calling for this in the prison is that clear or do we have to watch the film <laughs> i think we have to talk to ladybird
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah to get the context and and mm-hmm. i also i mean there it's very few prisons that have these kinds of mm-hmm. projects and i imagine that they're each one is
0: different mhm and yeah so to get back to women in caregiving and then how I was at first startled when I saw the trailer. It's like, well, this is a, a women's feminist movie, and everybody in this is man. It's a man. <laughs> it's a men's prison. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you can you talk a little bit, and you you have, but just speak more to the fact that uh, this the skill that is not just a woman's skill. Well, I think there's a couple of ways to look at that.
1: Um, the reason why. I think this film depicts something that is radically feminist. I, I, in my, I don't think I can't think of anything that's more feminist than having people we find unredeemable actually redeem themselves by giving care to another person. Um, that's women's role has historically been the caregiver, and that's where the her. Personal value was supposed to be found. Um, certainly, we we honor that. Maybe for like a thirty seconds a year. Uh, I mean, okay, I'm a little bitter. All right, but um, I think I think the radical notion that any man is capable of finding that within himself could transform our world in ways that we we can't even imagine right now. What it would be like to have men women, anyone, any, no gender specific, that person being able to be as emotionally present, physically hands-on, and willing to do, if you will, the quote, the hard hard work it takes to to help someone while they're dying or while they're, you know, busy being two days old. Yeah.
2: The other thing is that Kathleen and I share a... And sort of interpretation of feminism, that it is not about women.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It is it is about um, liberation. Mm-hmm. It's about people being safe and free to be their true, authentic selves, mm-hmm. with the most fulfilling life opportunities and chances as possible and that involves smashing the patriarchy because that will also benefit men's lives right yeah this will make everyone's lives better um feminism is also deeply it's it's deeply political and so something like you know the prison system in the united states is in my opinion the greatest human rights atrocity in our country mm-hmm. it, it is a it is a highly racist classist sexist horrible institution mm-hmm. that penalizes certain groups over and over and over again primarily the poor primarily men primarily men of color over and over and over again and so it is it is a it is a major feminist issue and concern a lot of Feminist work is around prison abolition and prison reform. Uh, my own work includes a lot of work around prisons. I study uh, prisoners of conscience in the United States, people who go to jail, and so there's sort of a, a prison analysis. So, so these are are feminist issues, even apart from the care work that are that are really integral to to feminist studies. So, yeah, I mean, it is interesting because the, it's a men's prison. The there's a female nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of women who work in the prison who kind of have bit parts in the movie. It is a movie about men caring for men. And, And that's, I mean, that's not something that Kathleen and I don't notice. It's something that we watch and we say, oh yeah, this is a version of feminism that we want to...
0: To bring to our community and talk about. Well, just talking to both of you, I'm getting tingles the whole time. I'm just so inspired by by what you're saying, and also realizing that it was time for me to open my mind more. You know, I thought I had, but there's always room to open it more, and and realize that um, that caregiving uh, is is integral to all of us to to be at that best self and, um, connected to what's most important in life. Yeah. So, I mean, this show is about being able to talk about death so that we live more freely. And, uh, certainly we're, we are talking about that, but do you have any sense of, of, or has there been as any study with this, the hospice workers of the prison, uh, in terms of, how they live more fully I mean, is there a waiting list to become a hospice worker or do these folks go on to help more people or is it um do you have any can you share anything about the movie because again i've only seen the two minute trailer <laughs> i think that's an
1: excellent reason to attend on tuesday <laughs> night and ask lady, lady bird morgan um you know i actually don't know i have not at all looked at larger larger statistics. I know in my conversations with Lady Bird that it's been very frustrating to get programs um, to get the programs started because there's a lot of gatekeeping around what medical protocols and who gets to come in to train whom within, mm-hmm. within the systems. And that's been a, a, a real um, log jam, if you will. So I, I actually have no idea. I, in fact, I know that I looked into women's prisons with hospice, I only found one that wow. in my first pass looking yeah. at it, and it could be it's, it's being done undercover and it might be different in a federal prison. I was looking at state prisons. Yeah, it's also
2: really, really hard to do research on prisons. So it is probably something that Lady Bird will have a better answer than research that we could go and and
0: read about. Well, and the other person who's going to be fielding questions is is Viv Tipton, executive right. director of Hospice One and of Fortiles. our county gems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know there is that opportunity to, as you're saying, you know, get into that dialogue and and really be able to digest and share what what's gone on by by looking at at this g- use of hospice in a in a way that I just hadn't thought of it. it hadn't crossed my mind before
2: well and I think that's true for most of us mm-hmm. and and the fact that i mean to to me kind of connecting the dots of thinking about okay we have more than 2 million people incarcerated in this country more than a third of them in 6 years are going to be elderly this is a massive population of people whose needs are not met, and if you look at it just from a purely economic perspective, mm-hmm. um, this is this is a huge economic drain, right? We need to have better care. We need to have programs. We need to know what to do. Otherwise, we're shipping people off to the
0: emergency room, um, right? Where I mean, and that's what I do love mm-hmm. about hospice because um, we get to die with dignity versus just being treated for for death for dying, which is um, I mean, it's inevitable. And that's what we want to underscore here is we talk about it, we accept it as part of living um, so that we don't fight it the whole way.
2: Right. And we have a plan.
0: And we have a plan. It's,
2: it's a very basic thing, right? The, the prison knows that they're going to have a large population of inmates dying in the next decades. So they should have a plan. And it, hopefully, it's a, a heart filled hospice
0: plan. Um, Yeah, that is, again, transformational for the people receiving the services, the people giving the services, and the people within the system, um, and then hopefully their families outside of the system. Absolutely.
2: To know their loved ones cared for.
0: Yeah. So we only have a couple of minutes left, and I'd really like to ask both of you um, what you'd like the listeners to take away from this um, conversation and any place that they can go for information. And Kathleen, maybe we'll start with you.
1: I think, for, for me, the most important thing for in terms of a takeaway is that um, there, there are models that show that we can change, change the gender stratification in terms of caregiving, and this is just one that most of us would not even know existed, and in a world where we say that prisons are about rehabilitation, we should think about it as individual souls
0: included. Thank you. and Anya?
1: I agree that I want
2: to I want to bust open our notions of care work, and I want people to feel so proud if that's the work they do, and recognize that it is skillful, hard work that should be just appreciated and respected. And that is true if you are a stay-at-home parent, and that is true if you are being paid to care for others, um, and. And yeah, I think expanding our notions of who deserves really caring, kind, compassionate care at the end of life, it's something that all of us face. And as a, as a nation,
0: we will be better people if we offer that to everyone. Well, and you can go to uh, Nevada County Sierra College campus events to get more information. Yes. So
2: sierracollege.edu slash events will give you the info. But the quick
0: scoop is 6 p.m. Tuesday night, March 5th. All righty. thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. And you can listen to Embracing the Journey on the fourth Wednesday of each month at 630.